CGC Sports Illustrated. This is podcast episode number five. So I'm going to cover two main topics today. Number one, terrible first covers. We all want that rookie issue. We all want that first appearance of a superstar athlete. But for some stars, their first cover um, is not only just disappointing, it's an absolute disaster of a first cover. So we'll look at some examples of those today and things that you can do about that. Number two, we're going to talk about the recent price changes at CGC. So CGC not only increased the prices for their services like grading, they also changed the benefits for each membership tier. So that'll be uh, the second topic we cover, and then we'll wrap with some viewer mail. First thing, I want to make a couple of disclaimers, and I feel like I kind of have to do this at the beginning of every video because the issues keep coming up and up again. Um, the first disclaimer is I only collect newsstand issues. I do not collect subscription issues. I don't talk about subscription issues other than to say that I don't collect them. Um, the reason is pretty simple. There are way too many copies of subscription issues in the marketplace for them to be really collectible and have any sort of value. There were literally millions and millions of copies of every single Sports Illustrated issue produced every week from 1954 through today. Whenever there are millions of anything in any collectible space, they just really don't hold much value. I mean, this is the same category as like junk, acts where, junk wax era sports cards, um, Beanie Babies, you know, subscription Sports Illustrated's kind of fall into that one too. Um, other disclaimer, I always try and be as transparent as possible with you. You know, whenever I talk about a specific issue, I am always going to try my best to remember and tell you whether I own that issue or not. Um, I think that transparency is really important so everybody knows exactly where I stand personally on issues um, that I'm discussing. Okay, so let's dig in and talk about terrible first covers of superstars. It's kind of interesting because this is really kind of unique to the, to the Sports Illustrated hobby because if you're collecting sports cards, 99% of the time, you know, it's only that athlete that's featured on the card. Mickey Mantle cards, Michael Jordan, Luka Doncic, you're just getting a picture of those stars. But for Sports Illustrated collecting, you know, many times the athletes share the cover with other athletes or they're not very prominently featured on the cover. And this poses a bit of a problem when it comes to collecting first covers or rookie covers. You know, rookie covers are supposed to be the holy grail for an athlete and the collectible industry. But that can really be pretty significantly diminished if that first cover doesn't prominently feature that athlete or features them in a poor light. So, you know, and rookie covers are always going to be collectible no matter what and have a certain degree of collectability. But the following examples are something you should keep in mind. And there's going to be specific instances when an athlete has such a bad rookie cover what that's going to do is it's going to make their second appearance or their second cover even more collectible than it normally would have been. So let's start out with the absolute worst defender in this entire category. And that's unfortunately, it's Lou Alcindor, who is one of the biggest superstars to ever play basketball. He's an all-time great. He became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, MVPs, championships in both college and the pros. This is his first cover. So you can see the cheerleader there and you can see Lou sitting there. But the first thing you'll notice is this aspect ratio is off because it really should cut off right about there. This is what the cover actually looks like. The rest of Lou is part of this fold out um, insert that you'd open up to. So the problem is, is that when you get this issue graded, you got this cheerleader on there and you got the basketball and all you got is Lou Alcindor's foot. Again, this is 
an absolute disaster for a huge superstar to have their first cover be so absolutely terrible like this. Um, now you'll see here, this is his second cover. So, you know, because the rookie cover is so bad, his second cover has even more value, in my opinion, than if he, the rookie cover was in good shape. This is a great cover. You can see the UCLA jersey. You've got the bird's eye view. It looks like they probably had that camera um, sitting on top of the backboard. Um, it looks like Lou's grabbing the rebound. Look, Lou's rookie cover is terrible. I, I almost don't even want to own it. I mean, I can't be sitting. I mean, look at this one again. That's not something that I would be proud to display or, or nobody even knows what the heck it is. Um, so I, I, Lou's co first cover is just such a disaster and so awful that it really diminishes its collectability. Um, look for Ru Lou's um, second cover or something else you might want to look for. This is his first pro cover. Um, again, this is a great shot. Lou is prominently featured. He's the only one on the cover. It's the headline, My Story by, by Lou Alcindor. He's got the kind of half beard going and the afro. He looks great in the Bucks uniform. Um, again, that second cover and the first pro cover, all of a sudden, in my opinion, become more collectible because his first cover is just, um, it's just awful. I mean, that, that's the worst example. Good news is they all get better from here, but still some problems. Um, this next issue isn't nearly as bad. This is Johnny Bench. So um, this is Johnny Bench's rookie cover from 1968. Not terrible, but he's sharing the cover with a bunch of guys that didn't have anywhere near the career that Bench had. Uh, also on that cover are Mike Torres, Cisco Carlos, Don Pepper, and Alan Foster. Um, now, this was before my time. Uh, these guys might have had fine careers. I have no idea because I've never heard of any of them. Um, and certainly none of them were anywhere near as collectible as the greatest catcher of all time, Johnny Bench. So it's going to hurt the collectability because this is Bench's first cover. Um, and he's sharing the cover which, with a bunch of no names. So now all of a sudden that second cover becomes much more collectible. This is a great looking cover. This is the kind of cover I want to collect from an amazing catcher like Johnny Bench. He's got his catcher's gear on. The mask is off. It looks like he's um, you know, trying to catch a pop-up foul. Um, the headline of the issue talks about the big red machine, which was such a great phrase that they used for those Cincinnati teams that were so awesome. I just love it. For, you know, this one, in my opinion, that 68 cover of Johnny Bench, still collectible, but it's not as great as this second cover from 1970. And again, this second cover, because the first one is so bad, all of a sudden now becomes even more collectible. Um, let's move on. This is Bo Jackson. And you're going to see, there's a, unfortunately, there's a couple that look really similar here. So this is Bo Jackson's um, first cover from December 1985. Not terrible, but certainly not what you would want from a huge superstar's first cover. You can see here he's sharing the cover with Chuck Long and Joe J Dudek. Um, this was a little bit more my time, so those are names that I remember. Um, but they're not guys that, you know, have any collectability and certainly nothing near Bo Jackson's collectability. Um, you can see Bo's got this tiny little picture here at the top. Um, and over half the cover is this headline <clears throat> on the right-hand side, the little checkboxes um, on, on the right. Um, it's just not a great rookie cover. What is so much dramatically better is, Joe, is Bo Jackson's second cover. Now, this is his second cover from July 1986. This one is just an absolute amazing cover, in my, opi <clears throat> my opinion. Bo Jackson 
is the only person on the cover. He's wearing his minor league baseball uniform from when he played for the Memphis Chicks. I mean, just look at him. The guy's ripped. He's got a football player's neck. His biceps look like they're about to bust out of the sleeves. Remember, this is back before baseball players were all jacked up. Um, so to see Bull, you know, Bo, you know, all swole like this on the cover, I absolutely love it. For me, this cover is more collectible than his rookie cover. I would much rather have this cover than in this issue and have it graded than his rookie cover. I used to own this issue. Um, I had it at a 9.4. It was the highest graded copy in the world. And I sold it last year to a buddy of mine. I do have Bo's um, rookie cover. Um, didn't say it's not collectible at all. I just said this one's more collectible. I do have his rookie cover from 1985. Um, it's at CGC being graded um, right now. So one more example here that I want to show you. And this is Emmett Smith. So, and obviously I automatically see a lot of similarities. Um, this is Emmett Smith's first Sports Illustrated cover from November, 1989. Again, very similar to the Bo Jackson cover in a lot of ways. Um, this is all talking about the Heisman and who might win the Heisman this year. You've got several players um, in pictures with tiny little boxes. Most of the covers real estate is devoted to the headline and not the players. Um, you know, in some ways, this is a worse first cover than Bo Jackson's because on Bo's cover, he was only sharing it with two other players. Here, Emmett Smith is sharing it with four other players. Uh, Tony Rice, Major Harris, Anthony Thompson, and Andre Ware. Um, again, similar to Bo's, none of those players are collectible. This is just kind of a disappointing cover. Not a total disaster. It's just disappointing for a first cover. Now, this is his second cover. And it's obviously much better. So this issue is from January 1993, so four years after the first cover. But you see Emmett carrying the ball. We got this guy from the 49ers trying to tackle him. And we have the headline, Emmett Smith leads the Cowboys to Pasadena, referencing their, their trip to the Super Bowl they were about to take that year. Much, much better cover than the first. Um, I do own copies of both Emmett Smith, both his first cover and his second cover, um, um, his first cover is at CGC being graded right now. I've got this issue um, sitting in a huge stack here in my home office with a bunch of other issues that I still need to get uh, wrapped up and sent out to CGC. So, you know, to kind of put a bow on this portion of the segment, um, kind of keep that in mind. We collect Sports Illustrated not only for all the great things about them, but a lot of for how they look. I mean, we love the photography. We love our athletes prominently displayed on these covers. And when an athlete just isn't prominently displayed or has a terrible first cover, just flat out will affect the collectability of that specific issue. Um, okay, so let's go to topic number two. And this was a big deal. So this is about CGC's price changes. So these new changes um, went into effect at the end of April. And... To be honest, I'm really surprised it didn't happen a lot sooner than that. You know, since the pandemic started, collecting of all sorts has just skyrocketed through the roof, not only on the prices of items, but there's also been a huge influx of new people into every single collecting niche, whether it's sports cards or comic books or general memorabilia or graded sports illustrated. If you follow sports cards, the big... Um, the big company that does the grading PSA announced last year um, that they were increasing prices. Uh, and then turned out that really didn't slow down new inventory pouring into CGC. Um, they were still backlogged and, you know, it was taking people a year to get their cards graded. So uh, just recently they announced that they were going to be stopped. They stopped accepting all new submissions for any tier 
except for their most expensive tier, which runs about 300 bucks to grade one sports card. Um, so again, other companies led the way. It just made sense for CGC to, to follow. And as we've seen CGC's turnaround times, I mean, they've gotten ridiculous, especially the last six months. This price increase should not be a surprise to anyone. Um, so changes were made to two different areas as far as CGC's pricing is going, and each are really important. So changes were made to prices for grading issues. They also made changes to CGC's membership tiers. You've got to be a member at CGC and pay for that membership to be able to submit issues to be graded. Let's start with the grading price increase first. So the most, most dramatic changes happened at the two higher tiers, and we'll get to those in a minute. But let's start with the modern tier. So for the modern tier here, it's now $30 to grade an issue. Not a big deal <clears throat> because the price before was only 28 bucks. For economy, it's now $40 to grade an issue. I think the old price was 36. So again, not a big deal. However, once we get down here to um, standard, it's now $80 an issue. Now, previously standard was about 50 bucks. So that's a pretty huge jump all the way to 80. And then we've also got walkthrough. So the new walkthrough price is now 3% of fair market value with a $120 minimum. The old price was 2% of fair market value um, with an $80 minimum. Obviously, we're all paying more to get our issues graded now, but there's been one area where, you know, another area where things have just been dramatic, dramatically impacted, and that's wait times. As you can see, wait times for the cheapest tiers are now over 130 days, and that's not calendar days. Those are business days, working days. So with an average month having about 21 business days in it, let me get my handy dandy calculator here, 134 divided by 21, you're looking at six months plus just for grading. If you're getting it pressed, it's gonna double your cost and about double your wait times. <clears throat> it makes sense that because the biggest price increases were in the fastest tiers, standard and walkthrough, more people are now going to be sending their issues in under the cheaper tiers with modern and economy. So that's where you're going to see the most dramatic impact to wait times. That 130 day wait time. So just for comparison, a year ago for a modern or economy issue being submitted, the wait time was about 50 days. So we're pushing triple the wait time over what it was just six or eight months ago. So what this means is if you're sending an issue at the either modern or economy tier, and let's say you're getting your issues pressed by CGC, you're looking at a total wait time of about a year before getting your slabs. Something else to keep in mind, and I've talked about this a lot recently, and it's still happening. CGC's receiving warehouse is backed up about four to six weeks still. So you send your issues to CGC. You get your delivery confirmation from the post office or whoever your shipper was your box sits in the CGC receiving warehouse for about four to six weeks before it's being processed. You have to add that four to six weeks to your overall wait times. Your wait time does not start until CGC processes your issues and they show up in your account. Um, so, I mean, I guess on the bright side, this means that this is a very fast growing hobby with a ton of people coming on board and into the hobby. That's the good news. The bad news is CGC um, 
can't keep up with demand. The other big change CGC made, I'm going to pull it up here so we can take a look at it, was to their membership tiers. Now, the prices didn't change, but the benefits at each, at each pricing tier did. Um, the first thing is now they have a free option. That wasn't there before. Free allows you to access the census and make submissions at events where CGC is participating, like Comic-Cons and that sort of thing. Um, you don't get a mail-in submission option with the, free, uh, with the free membership tier. Associates, $25. Now that allows you to mail in CGC submissions, where in the past, um, associates couldn't do this. Next tier is premium. Premium at $149 a year still includes the $150 credit with CGC. And that's really important because most people tend to get either the premium or the elite subscription. Um, premium obviously pays for itself. It's $149, you get $150 credit to CGC. What the big change in that premium tier is, you no longer get a discount on grading and pressing fees. Used to be under the $150 premier tier, you used to get a 10% discount on all your grading and pressing fees. Um, now that's gone. Premium still makes the most sense for anyone that'll be mailing issues to CGC because of that $150 credit, essentially paying for your $149 uh, membership fee. Um, now with Elite, again, you still get that $150 credit, but you also get a 10% discount on grading and pressing. Under the old system, Elite used to get a 15% discount. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about this on my uh, Facebook group. Um, you know, one member recently asked about, you know, whether they should get premium or the elite level. Uh, do the math and it becomes pretty simple. So if you get your issues pressed and graded, the cheapest tier costs about 60 bucks an issue. So if you move up to the elite level and you get that 10% discount, that means you save about $6 an issue. So take the $150 price difference between premium and elite divided by the $6 you'd be saving per issue and you get 25. So that means that you need to get about 25 or more issues pressed and graded by CGC each year for the elite membership to make the most um, sense for you. Which, by the way, that Facebook group, it's a private group, but we let anybody in, you just gotta ask to join. So if you're interested in being a part of that Facebook group, um, just search under groups, CGC Sports Illustrated. It's, it's a really good group of people that are um, just talking about graded Sports Illustrated issues. Okay, as I wrap up this episode, it's time for some viewer mail. These are questions that people have sent me recently. Um, if you have questions, you can email me, cgcsportsillustrated at gmail.com. Um, you can drop a comment on my YouTube page and feel free to DM me on social media on any of the platforms. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Just search for CGC Sports Illustrated um, and join that Facebook group. It's pretty fun. So the first question is, how do I store and display my issues? So for raw issues, you definitely need to bag and board every single issue. Bags and boards are cheap. Um, you can get a stack of about 100 on eBay or Amazon for $30. Make sure you buy magazine-sized bags and boards. Again, always keep in mind, this part of the hobby is driven by comics and grading comics. And so a lot of bags and boards will be comic book-sized. You want to search for magazine-sized bags and boards. They're pretty cheap. Once you've bagged and boarded your issues, I just keep mine in a cardboard box. Um, you wanna make sure they're kept in a place where the temperature is pretty consistent between about 65 and 75 degrees. You definitely need to keep them out of direct sunlight because those issues and the covers will fade over time. 
and you, you're, you're looking for kind of an average, you know, humidity of about 40 to 50%. So kind of the, the climate control that most people keep their houses at. Um, that means don't keep them in the attic. Don't put them in your garage. Um, don't put them in a storage unit. They definitely need to be kept in a climate controlled area. For graded issues, the same holds true. Keep in mind, CG slabs are, CGC slabs, once you get them graded, those things are not airtight. So temperature and humidity will affect graded issues as well as sunlight. Those CG slabs, CGC slabs do not have any UV protection. So if you're displaying these, maybe hanging them on the wall or putting them on a bookshelf or something like that in your office or your home, um, you know, you really need to kind of keep that in mind and maybe rotate different slabs in that you display because that UV damage will fade your covers. Um, I keep my slabs in the boxes that CGC sends them in um, and they're kept in the closet here in my home office. However, I've been working really hard with a company about a great way to display graded issues safely with UV protection. And um, I'll have more about that in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Next question, is there a way to be certain that you have a newsstand issue versus a subscription issue? Um, talked about this a lot on previous podcasts. The simple answer is no. There is no way for you to be certain whether you have a newsstand issue or a subscription issue. Um, people have gotten really good at removing mail mailing labels, um, especially if you're buying issues on eBay. It can be really tough to tell from a tiny picture of the magazine. I can tell you firsthand that I have sent issues into CGC to be graded that I was completely 100% certain they were newsstand issues only to have them come back and labeled as subscription edition. Every time you send an issue into CGC, you're kind of rolling the dice on this. I can tell you CGC always catches subscription issues. They use advanced techniques to do this. They'll catch them every single time. That's for um, vintage issues. Now, modern issues, uh, sometime in the early 90s, and it's not consistent, but Sports Illustrated went from mailing labels to the white box. So any issues that were produced after the early to mid 90s, um, if it's got a white box, it's a subscription issue. If it's got a white box with the address in it, it's a subscription issue. If it doesn't have that white box, then you can be confident that it's a newsstand issue and that's how CGC will see it. But again, that's only for modern issues done after the early to mid 90s when Sports Illustrated went off of the mailing label and to the, uh, to the white box for their addressing. Um, next question, is there a database where I can search for a player and get a list of all the Sports Illustrated covers that he's been on? It's a good question, and the answer is um, kind of. If you haven't used the website sicovers.com, and I showed a lot of these, a lot of these images that I showed you um, before when I was talking about Lou Alcindor and the other stars, this is, this is from the website, sicovers.com. Um, go check it out. You can search players and they'll give you a bunch of images with that player on the cover. The problem is it's not a complete listing, or it's, I should say it's not always a complete listing of every cover they've been on. I'm pretty sure that this has to do um, with reasons around image copyrights. Uh, and then that's a whole nother massively complicated issue that I'm not going to get into, but just keep in mind, use sicovers.com. It's a good resource. It's not complete. Here's what I do. I start with sicovers.com. I search my player, but then I always do a Google images search as a double check to kind of find any missing covers that they might've been on. But 
to get a good list of, you know, searching a player and finding all their covers, um, SICovers.com is pretty good. They get about 90% of them, not 100%, but about, about 90%. Okay, last question. My newer issues have ripples in them from being stacked on top of each other. Do you recommend putting them between hard books to flatten them? Um, that's a great question. Um, just because you buy something off of a newsstand doesn't mean that it's a 9.8 issue. Uh, I see tons of problems with brand new issues on newsstands all the time, especially ripples. Um, first, this is my recommendation. I always recommend getting your issues pressed before grading. Every single issue that I have ever sent to be graded has been pressed first. That's my preference. You're more than welcome to do whatever you'd like on that, but that's what I recommend. Um, there's also a technique out there called cold pressing. And again, comic book guys are 20 years ahead of us on this. So um, it's similar to putting between, it's similar to what you suggested about putting your issue between some heavy books. I'd recommend doing a YouTube search for cold pressing comic books. Um, like I said, the comic book guys have a 20 year head start on us as far as grading these goes. They, they've just got so much great knowledge out there. So um, um, again, search cold pressing comic books on YouTube and, and you should be able to see something that would be, you know, something you could apply to a graded Sports Illustrated. Um, major props to the comic book guys. I've learned um, a ton from those guys over the years. That's it for episode number five. Do me a solid. Subscribe here to this YouTube channel. If you're listening to this on one of the podcast platforms, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, whatever, please subscribe there. And then follow me on social media. I'm on every single social media platform, and it's the same thing everywhere, CGC Sports Illustrated.